Hello, everybody. I am Blaze Seifer, and this is the Seifer Scoop Podcast. Welcome to the final episode of the 2020-2021 academic year. It's been quite the ride this year piloting my podcast, and I am so excited to cap off the year with what will be a great episode. Today, I welcome on Brett Perlmutter, a rising sophomore at Middlebury on the men's swim and dive team. Brett had a year at Middlebury and took this year off to work for a few cool companies, and I'm excited to talk to him about this past year, his first year on the swim team, and Middlebury in general. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, Brett, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today. How are you? Good, Blaze. Thank you for having me. No problem. So just to set the scene again, you are a rising sophomore, I guess, but you're 2023 at Middlebury on the swim and dive team. Um, your roster page says you do free freestyle. Is that your kind of main event on the swim team? Yes. yes awesome. It. And then uh, just give some background. Where are you from? Um, what, what kind of interest do you have and in, in what brought you to Middlebury? Sure. Um, so I, you know, it's funny because I originally, I grew up in New York City. Um, until about age 10. And then at age 10, um, my family was uprooted and we moved to Los Angeles. And I would say that's probably where I got my, my swim career start, because if you know anything about LA and the warm weather, everyone either plays uh, water polo or they swim. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of where, where the swim piece began. But it's funny because when I, even when I lived in New York City, I guess I was a young kid and then kind of moving to LA, I had absolutely no idea what Middlebury was. And um, it wasn't until my junior year where I actually kind of started to learn a little bit about Middlebury. Um, reason being is my family actually moved back to the East Coast. Um, so I like to consider myself very much bi-coastal. <laughs> Love and, it. And so we moved back to the East Coast and we um, decided to be in Westchester, New York versus the city. Um, just a little bit, I guess, easier of a change. Um, from the house life in, in LA. And so, you know, I come back to Westchester and I'm swimming here and I'm meeting people and I'm figuring everything out. And kind of at the same time, I'm like taking the ACT and uh, applying to colleges. And it was really interesting because I wasn't quite sure if swimming was exactly what I wanted to do um, in college. And, you know, my big thing was academics first as every Middlebury kid. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's pretty interesting because I ended up stumbling upon this, the, these groupings of schools, the, the, the um, NESCACs. And it was really interesting to see that like there were schools that were academics were the priority, but then you could also play your sport at a pretty high level. And so I, I, that's kind of, that was the beginning of my understanding of what Middlebury was. And, and, you know, I can get into a little bit of the detail of like, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that was my kind of overview of Middlebury and kind of how, how it came to be. Awesome. Yeah. I usually like to talk to, you know, guests and ask them uh, their origin story with Middlebury, what attracted them to the school. And we'll definitely get into that more, but thank you just for that brief overview. So you haven't, you haven't spent the past year at Middlebury, like a lot of students. Um, so what have you been up to? I know we talked candidly about this before the episode started, but why don't you tell the listeners what you've been up to uh, this, this past gap year, you could say. Sure. So, um, you know, as a swimmer, it's important for me to always be by, by water. And, <laughs> and um, when, when the pandemic kind of hit and, and I really did some soul searching about, 
going back to school and, and I loved the school to death, but I, I thought for me, it just, it didn't quite make sense to go back and, and do the online classes when I really value the in-person experience. And so um, what I decided to do was take a year off um, and work for two companies, one being a private equity firm, um, which I worked for from September to March, and then one actually being a podcasting um, company called Amaze Media Labs, which I started off as an intern there and they actually hired me full time. And it's been, you know, I'd never listened to a podcast before. And so it's been really this interesting experience of getting into understanding podcasting and, you know, all the different elements that go into it and the types of podcasts, whether it's interviews or the narrative storytelling and really just being kind of in tune with that whole thing. And, you know, speaking, I guess the water piece of it is that I did everything, um, all these these, these two internships and I guess job now um, from Hawaii. So, and, and that was, I don't know if I, I, I told you that going in, but that, uh, that allowed me to really get my, I, not necessarily swimming in, but get my surfing in. Right. Um, so I spent the last seven months in Hawaii, actually just got back to New York. Um, and, and, you know, that coupled with the internships was just one of the coolest and most amazing experiences I think I've ever had. Wow. Hawaii. I did not know that. So what, what attracted you to Hawaii and, and what was your living situation like there? Great question. So and where were you in Hawaii too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's funny because I have this friend, um, he goes to Brown and we went to high school together when I lived in LA and his thing was, he always wanted to get me to go to Kauai, um, which is the, the smallest Island out of the Hawaiian islands, very remote. Um, his family has a little piece of property there and he for years has been trying to get me to go and I think when I decided not to go back to Middlebury the first thing I said to him is I you know I want to really have a valuable experience and he had already you know been working an internship and he asked the guys immediately they were like yeah you can continue into the fall and the spring and whatever and I was like okay well if I can find something which I had absolutely nothing at the time and and really didn't probably until I'd say three weeks out from going um, I booked my ticket before I even knew what I was doing there. Um, but I was like, why don't we do it in Hawaii? And he would, he was like, that's unbelievable. Like absolutely hands down, let's do it. And so we started kind of looking into the details there and obviously it was, you know, summer of last year. And, and so the pandemic was still, um, a, a really big issue and, and not that it's not now, but it's, it was just this extra kind of emphasis on it. And so we looked through all the guidelines and it turned out that we actually um, had to quarantine for 14 days there and like legitimate quarantine. Like we had the national guard knock on our door every day. Whoa. Yeah. It was wild. Um, but, but the result was we were in this amazing place that was, I mean, literally picturesque and there was absolutely no COVID there because everyone had to quarantine for two weeks before you were released. And so there was not a single case on the island pretty much my entire time of being there, which allowed for this whole life of like meeting these really cool people and surfing and talking to people in the water and having friends over for dinner. It was very, I mean, I just, I lived a very different lifestyle for the last seven months. That is awesome. I hope you got some good Instagram content from that trip. Um, in terms of like the mask wear, was that like, was mask wearing a thing? Like were people wearing masks still? Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a thing. Um, you know, when we went to the grocery store, definitely put it on food land. I lived, lived at that place. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like when you're on the beach and it was weird for me at first, right? Because we're just, I'm coming from New York, which was like the hub of the pandemic, right. um, all in, you know, March into April. And 
I get to Hawaii, you know, in September and we finally get out. And, you know, one of the first things is Asher, my, my friend, um, he had a family friend who, you know, saw us on the beach like day one and he comes up and he gives Asher a big hug. And I'm like, <laughs> you can't do that. And, yeah. and it was like, right. I had to almost retrain my brain in a way to be mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess like the social interaction is now okay because there's not any cases on the island. Right. And, and I want you to talk a little bit more about your podcast. It's called How Success Happens, right? Yeah. Um, so and and yeah, what does it entail? What's it about? And what's kind of your role been like working for them? Sure. So when I got to Amaze Media Labs, um, you know, they, they were still in, I would say, infancy stages. And it's actually really cool. There was a really interesting entrepreneur who came on the show, and I'll get into that in a second. And what he said about um, companies is there's there's kind of four different stages, right? It's like company starts off as a family, and then it goes to a tribe, then it goes to a village, and then it goes to a city. And so when I first got there, it was very much like a family, right? Where there was like the three founders and like a f- two other people working there. And so they kind of threw me in and they were like, we could use help in all these different places. Um, start with building massive Excel sheets. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Um, but it quickly became something where they um, really specifically needed help in building out some of their podcast networks. So they have a hockey podcast network and a basketball podcast network, which I was able to help them build from scratch. And we most recently actually just built one called the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. Um, and just, I guess, for your listeners, a quick kind of introduction of what a podcast network is, is. It's a bunch of shows that live on kind of one space and it allows them to basically go in and get a national advertiser. And so the one of the podcasts that I ended up working on primarily was called How Success Happens, um, which is affiliated with the company Entrepreneur. And it's a basically, it's, it's the coolest thing where it's a bunch of these really interesting on big name entrepreneurs who come on my boss, Rob's show, and they talk about their entrepreneurial experience. Um, so it's funny because I've been, you know, behind the scenes, um, I'd say now for seven months, eight months doing the how success happens, whether it's the descriptions or the, um, for the SEO and the uh, show titles and, um, you know, cutting up the clips and going out and getting the guests. And so this is actually, it's funny because now I'm on the opposite end here, yeah. the guest on a podcast. Um, but it's been it, this incredible experience of just learning from all these entrepreneurs that I um, get to meet and Rob always introduces uh, me to them afterwards. And so, I mean, like big names though. I mean, I've met, who have I met since I've been, I mean, I met the person most recently um, I mean, the founder of Netflix, founder of Square, like, like really, really cool people, um, the founder of Craigslist. And like, it's nice because it's like it's on a Zoom call. And so afterwards, I get to talk to them for a few minutes and, you know, pick their brain a little bit. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. I think the founder of Netflix, maybe wrong, didn't he go to a Netflix school? He, I believe it was Mark Randolph went to Bowdoin. Bowdoin, right. Okay. And it's funny because I was talking to him a little bit about Midcore because he was like a sponsor for Midcore. And I was, he was telling me that he doesn't do it anymore. And I was like, oh, it's a bummer. Like, I'd love to connect with you again after you know who I am in like two years. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, you know, NESCAC, it's everywhere. But yeah, right. it's really cool meeting these people. Are you, so are you doing Midcore? Because I actually am in, in part of their summer program. Have you? Oh, are you? That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, the plan of is absolutely to do it. Um, and I've been told that junior year is the prime time to do it because that's when you have, I think the worst, um, J term registration slot and mid course seems to always have openings, which is great, even though it's like one of the best classes, um, Mm -hmm. the plan Mm -hmm. is to do it, I think junior year. Um, so I guess not this coming fall, but 
the following winter. Um, but you know, like it, it, things are obviously subject to change. If I find myself, you know, this coming winter where I'm like, I really want to do midcore, I'm going to do it, but I'm definitely going to do it before I graduate. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So like I said, I I'm doing it. It's this summer. It's like a quote unquote internship. And it like the guests that they bring on every week to talk to you about kind of leadership skills, networking, uh, just like skills in the office. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be a great summer. So I'm really pumped about that. Um, but anyway, so as I normally do with guests, I want to talk to you about your your individual sport, which is swimming, uh, and then kind of transition um, into your your career at Middlebury so far as an athlete. And then I have a fun last section. Where we'll, we'll talk about Middlebury in a more general sense. Um, cool. But thanks again for, for setting the scene. That's awesome. They're getting podcasting and um, yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you know what you're doing. I, I do not know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to figure it out. So <laughs> anyway, in terms, of, in terms of swimming, so you mentioned that being in LA, everyone either does water polo or swim and dive. Is that kind of really where the passion blossomed or was it when you were in New York the first time you were there? Like when did it blossom? Great question. So I um, grew up going to a private school in New York City um, called Columbia Grammar Preparatory School. Um, and they were on the Upper West Side. And they were the only school that I still know of to this day in New York City that happened to have, like, I think it was maybe like a six, just for reference of normal pools, 25 yards, right? I think it was like a 16 yard pool. Wow. Um, and I think the way it kind of started was I was in a gym class. And for gym, we would have to swim for like, I guess, one of the units. And I, I get in the pool and what they'd have everyone do is they'd have everyone like swim a lap as fast as you could. Um, and so I do this lap and I get out and the, one of the teachers comes over to me and says, Hey, you know, we'd really like to have you on our, our swim team, which practices in the mornings and you get to compete after school. And I was like, I play baseball. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I, I came home and I told my parents that I made the swim team and they were like, well, that's pretty cool. Like, maybe you should think about doing that. Um, and I was like, ah, why would I want to do that? And they were like, well, is sitting in center field that interesting? And I was like, you know, I used to be the kid that was like, look up at the birds. And yeah, right. Me too. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Um, and, and, you know, I think while it wasn't the kind of competition slash training that I really like was introduced to in Los Angeles, it kind of gave me my start for swimming where I was like, Oh, this racing thing, this is kind of fun. Um, you know, in terms of the actual training though, I'll never forget the first time, um, we were ever asked to swim a 500 freestyle, um, which I ended up competing in pretty heavily freshman, sophomore years of high school. Um, I actually couldn't even do it. And the coach ended up having me come back to the pool alone to complete a 500 freestyle by myself. Um, which was, which is great, but it, yeah. it gave me my start. And then really when I got to LA was where I, I joined the, um, UC, I live right by UCLA and the Bruin swim club. Um, they had a club team and I kind of hopped aboard and, you know, not without it's, it's growing pains of unsure if I wanted to do it. Um, I, funny actually story and we I can get into that in a sec. Um, I the, definitely some fights with the parents. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Um, but I think that's really where the competitive edge kind of came from. And by the time I was late middle school, early high school, I was like, this is what I want to do. Right. Yeah. Just, uh, just kind of anecdotally, my cousin is from Ohio and he's a big swimmer and just hearing like the commitment that he has, it's 5am practices before school. It's like six days a week. Like it is ridiculous. Like I, I grew up playing soccer. It's like 
5 to 7 p.m. after school. Like, obviously, it's two hours a day, but I feel like swimmers have ridiculous hours. It's like a nonstop grind. So what keeps you coming back if you got to go through all those long practices? You know, it's okay. So, the, you know, it's funny, right? So when I was, I let's call it, let's call it late elementary school, right? I'll never forget this, this morning where, you know, my, my dad used to be kind enough to drive me to morning practice, which I could only imagine for him getting nothing out of it besides yeah. sending me there. Like he was a trooper to do so. Um, but he wakes me up for practice and we start driving and I think he parks the car and I decided I don't want to go in. I'm like, I'm not doing this. This is like, I, and my dad goes, are you kidding me? Like, I just woke you up at this hour. Like you're going in. I was like, absolutely not. And I like, get it. I like, I slam the door of the car and I start walking the other way. And so he gets out of the car and he starts walking with me and he says, Brett, you got to go in there. And I was like, why? Like, this is like this sport. And he goes, because you made a commitment to this. Right. And I think ever since that point, I had that little kind of skirmish with him and we joke about it all the time. Now um, it occurred to me that if I was going to commit my time to something that I really enjoyed because I did enjoy it when I was in the pool, I didn't enjoy it when I was waking up at 5.00 AM um, there would be a payout. And so for me, kind of, you know, the trajectory of my swim career was first and foremost, a love for, for the sport, but then also realizing that, you know, yes, it's a lot of work, but putting in that work ultimately, you know, has this really amazing payout. Right. That's awesome. Well said, Brett. And, and I, I think this next question I have might kind of tie into the one we just talked about, but I was going to ask what your favorite part about swimming is and what your least favorite is. So maybe the least favorite are those 5 a.m. mornings and the favorite. You know, unfortunately, the unfortunately, actually, no. I would say my least favorite part and I've said this for years and anyone who knows me on the swim team, it's just like, actually that first initial shock when you jump in the pool and you're like, so like, you're like, Oh, like, yeah. um, and then it gets, it gets better after that. And then I would say my favorite part, and I had a coach that said it really well, um, back in high school, he said, I've never left the pool feeling worse than what I got in. And I think that's my best part where it's just like, after practice, you're like, wow, I feel incredibly accomplished. I'm going to sleep super well tonight. Maybe not for that long, but I'm going to sleep yeah. super well tonight. And I, I think that's probably the best part for me. Just that's getting awesome. out of the pool every day, whether it's a meet or practice and just being like, wow, I'm doing what I love. This is great. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you're doing that at Middlebury, obviously now. And I want to talk about how you got there. You did touch on this at the beginning, but you said you had narrowed it down kind of the NESCACs, or at least you had figured out about the NESCACs and they'd intrigued you. So how did Middlebury kind of um, rise to the top of that, of that college shortlist? What about Middlebury stood out to you um, and kind of how did everything shake out? Great question. So it's funny because I've told this story now twice in, in actually the last couple of weeks to two students who were um, thinking about, uh, you know, going to Middlebury, they got in and they were like um, between Middlebury and call it two other schools. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're actually both now going to Middlebury. So there maybe, you go. Go Panthers. Yeah. Yeah this, is, yeah. this is the story maybe that did it. Um, but when I was applying to schools at first, it was kind of like, okay, I'm just going to, uh, I'm thinking of a bunch of schools. Right. So some of them were just strictly academic where I knew that swimming was probably not going to be in the cards. Um, and then others, I was like, okay, like I could maybe swim here and, and academically go here. Um, and so when I went to one of those first, uh, like just strictly academic schools, I was kind of walking around. I, I felt like there was a little bit of a piece missing. 
um, with the swimming, but more importantly, I kind of, I made up this game for myself, right? Where I was like, okay, I'm going to ask as many students as I can here if they like the school they go to. And so I start going around and it was just like, you know, I guess you don't even, you can't even do this with COVID anymore, right? But like, yeah. at the time, I, like, I would walk up to a student, to student X and I was like, hey, like, I'm, I'm thinking about applying here. What do you think about the school? And they would tell me the really kind of unique perspective. But it was funny because this first, these first couple of uh, schools that I was thinking about, you know, strictly academically, some of them I got better response than others, but most of them were, yeah, it's pretty good. Like it has its ups and downs, right? And, and it's like, so do you, do you like it? And they would be like, yeah, I like it. Um, and, and so I kind of like started reflecting. I was like, I wanna go to a school where I talk to people and they don't even hesitate. They're like, I love it. And so I started going on a few recruit trips to some of these NESCAC schools. And I, you know, when you talk to like, and this goes for, I'm sure any athlete, right? Like when you talk to um, the people who play your sport, they're going to tell you like, no, it's the best place ever. You've got to come here. Like you would be, you know, it's of course you got to come here. But when you talk to, you know, everyone else in the student body, you kind of get some different opinions. And so when I was on my first recruit trip, which was in Middlebury, um, you know, the, the swimmers were like, oh yeah, it's the best school ever. You know, and then I would go around and I'd start asking people and be like, yeah, I like it. But sometimes the environment's really competitive. Um, in terms of academics or people aren't willing to help each other and go out of their way or it's the computers and just like these different pieces. And, and so I'll never forget this. I get to Middlebury um, and it was pretty high up on my list to begin with, but I, I wasn't necessarily sold. And um, one of my, my hosts, you know, I'm talking to the Middlebury swim team and my host takes me back um, to his, his dorm, right? I'm sleeping on his floor that night, which is what all the recruits have to do. Yeah. And we see two of his friends in the hallway. And these were probably the first people that were non-swimmers that I was able to talk to that day. Um, and, I, and I say to them, I was like, so what do you think of Middlebury? Without, I mean, without hesitation. I love it. I absolutely adore this place. And what I found was literally the rest of my experience, the rest of the 24 hours I was there, every single person I talked to, I love it. This place is unbelievable. Yeah, it's hard, but I don't mind. I love the challenge. I love this place. And I left my recruit trip. I was like, this is the place for me. And so I right. called my coach literally the next day. And I said, this is the Middlebury is my place. I would love to come here if given the opportunity. That is wow. That's an awesome story. Maybe one of the best why mid stories I've ever heard. And I will say kudos to you for having like the courage to go up to random students and ask that question. Because when I'm touring and I'm walking around my mom, I feel so like embarrassed. I'm like looking like a pr prospective student. Everyone's looking at me funny. So talking to strangers, man, I, I, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, no, that's really cool. And I mean, I, so I have four younger siblings and they're all eventually going to start looking at colleges. So I might have to give them that tip because I think that's really, really interesting. Um, so anyway, we hear the why mid um, and now I'm going to want to hear if that's, if you've, you know, I know you said you anticipated loving the school because so many other people did, but I want to ask if you really do love the school. Um, before we get into uh, your current time at mid, we're going to take a quick break. An institution on Main Street since 1949, the Vermont Bookshop is a curated haven of culture and calm, your resource for keeping up with what's happening in our world today. The Vermont Bookshop continues to adjust their safety measures for the protection of their booksellers, customers, and the community at large, while also providing the highest degree of customer service possible. 
You can shop online at vermontbookshop.com or call them at 802-388-2061. You can order books for delivery or pickup or following public health protocols, shop in person Monday through Friday, 10 to 6 and Saturdays, 10 to 4. So check out the Vermont Bookshop nestled right on Main Street. All right, we are back with Brett here to talk about Middlebury. Um, so you just ran through that really awesome story about asking prospective student or asking students um, if they love Middlebury and they also they did. So now that you're a student here, how did your first year on campus go? Obviously, you took this year off, but first year at mid, I want to hear uh, your your thoughts and reaction. Oh, man, it was incredible. I I mean, first of all, let's just, I mean, we, we won't get too much into the weeds of this one, but let's just talk about like how beautiful is the campus. Right. That I mean, like, <laughs> Gorgeous. Wow, walking around like fall was just unbelievable. And like those wind, that one window pane in the library that overlooks the map, like the Adirondacks, like mm-hmm. what? Like absolutely crazy. Um, so from a beauty perspective, I mean, absolutely stellar. And then I think, um, you know, from, from an academic perspective, I really you know, my, my decision is, I, I think, absolutely been the correct one, um, where I, I've had this, like, interesting thing where I can really, like, form relationships with my professors, and I'm not sure if I went to a, a different type of school, whether it was, you know, a bigger school or, or a business a school with, you know, business or, or whatever the case might have been, um, that I would have been able to have those kinds of relationships with professors, especially at a, fr- you know, at a freshman year level. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just funny. I literally just this morning emailed one of the professors who was I had last year um, and he was great. And we formed an awesome relationship and I'm taking another one of his classes in the fall. And so, you know, I shot him an email and the response was like, oh, I'm super excited. And I, I just feel like that's another kind of aspect of Middlebury that I, I and I didn't even realize at the time that I get that I absolutely love. And then the clientele and you and I can both speak to this. I mean, we got some pretty awesome people on campus. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I share similar similar sentiment, and it is really easy to get close to professors. Also, just when the classes are so small. Um, just out of curiosity, what are you studying at Mid? And did you take a lot of those courses your freshman year, or were you trying to uh, check off a lot of distribution requirement boxes? So I was the kind of kid, and, and I guess may this be a lesson to everyone like me, because I know that I'm not alone in this. I came into Middlebury, and I was like econ major like yeah come on right and I was like I want to eventually like go into either and this is still true I do want to do something probably finance related or you know business related or entrepreneurial related and those are my passions and have been still are Um, but I went in I was like econ major obviously right because what else what else fits fits that and and kind of especially having taken this year off what I've come to realize is Econ's really cool. And I took um, both intro courses my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I've been able to reflect, and I've also been able to do a lot of reading um, this year with my time off, it, it's kind of occurred to me that econ isn't finance, right? Especially after having this, this private equity internship. And econ isn't business, right? There's definitely components. Um, but if you want to major in something, whether it's econ or anything else, you should do it because you're passionate about the subject. Um, and so what I kind of come to realize is that I don't necessarily think I was meant to be an econ major. And so, it, you know, heading into sophomore year, I actually do not have a major chosen. I have some ideas of what that might be definitely leaning around the lines of philosophy, psychology, and I'm taking kind of classes in both those areas. But, you know, in terms of like 
the businessy type classes, the intro business ethics. Um, I took accounting in the spring, um, intro finance, all those classes I want to sprinkle in, but I want to take and major in something that I I'm passionate about. And so I don't have anything yet, but it's likely going to be in the philosophy, psychology, maybe even art history kind of areas. Both of those subjects are awesome. And, and yeah, I'm a sociology major just because that just interests me so much as well, just intrinsically. Like, so anyway, go Panthers. And uh, we could, we could talk about mid all day. Um, but I want you, I want to talk more about the student athlete part. I want you to explain the grind of being a student athlete to me, because I don't necessarily understand it. I've talked to athletes and I'm starting to get a sense, but I love kind of hearing perspective on the, the daily grind of balancing, you know, NASCAR athletics, you, you're a competitive team, a bunch of competitive swimmers and obviously a competitive academic course load. So what's that like balancing? So, you know, it's interesting because if I were just thrown into this, like, you know, I never swam, never understood what the sport was, you know, going through high school, having to balance out my time with swimming too. And I was just thrown into Middlebury as an athlete. I would, I mean, no pun intended, I'd be drowning, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just amazing, especially, and you mentioned it earlier, just in swimming, like I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but in swimming, right? Like essentially the theory is the more you train and the harder you work and the more you push yourself, right? You get to that position in the season where you're starting to taper for your final meet. You're just going to go off. Right. But the thing is, is that it's like all that work leading up to it. And it's like that in every sport, but swimming, it's almost to a point where like we even meet the next day. Like sometimes, yeah, we'll rest for it. But most of the times it's like, okay, even if we're like resting a day for it, like, we're just getting right back to work. And it's just pushing your body to a limit that you might not even think is possible um, in order to really just achieve this goal at the very kind of end of the season and go best times and, you know, swimming and, and, and like you, every sport at mid unquestionably trains many, many hours. Um, but I mean, even just like, we call it the Monday, Tuesday grind, right? Where Monday mornings we're up at five, we're in the gym and then we're in the pool. Then we're back at 4.30 for our, our um, aerobic Mondays is what Bob, um, our coach, likes to call it. And that's like the most amount of yardage we'll have all week. And then just when you don't think it can get any worse, you go to sleep, you wake up Tuesday morning. It's the same exact thing, except Tuesday's a little more of a sprint day in the afternoon, right? Okay. And then we get a little break Wednesday. We're back to the weight room in the pool early morning Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon. Then we get a little bit of a break again. Um but with, you know, we're still working pretty hard in the pool. And then Friday, it's like, okay, you have a meet the next day. Instead of 5,000 yards, let's put in 3,500 today, compete all of Saturday, Sunday off, let's do it all again the next week and the next and the next and the next. So it is definitely a grind. Right. Wow. I mean, for me, and I say this to, to, I've said this to a few guests, but like there are some days where I, between classes and academics, I don't have time. I don't even have like an hour to go, like go for a run. I mean, obviously I procrastinate a little bit fine. We all do, but like being a NARP as, as I would say, a non-athletic regular person, for those who aren't familiar with the term, it's nice because if I don't want to exercise one day, I can just not exercise. And I'm only, I have only myself to blame, but like, 
if you you can't just like skip practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because you have an assignment due, right? Like you have that built in time where you have to be at practice. And so for me, that's, you know, I really respect that. And I don't know how you guys do it all the time. Um, the last thing I want to ask you uh, about being a student athlete at Middlebury uh, specifically is your favorite memory on the team so far. So you did have that freshman year, got cut short in, in the spring, but between, you know, the fall, winter, and I guess you could say a sliver of the spring semester, does something come to mind? Obviously uh, it, it could be tough to answer, but. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely a few. I, I think. So Middlebury's men's men's team, we had before, I guess, what was this winter? I guess winter, it was it, we were, November, 2019. Um, we had lost to Connecticut college um, in our, in our dual, in our opening dual meet with them pretty much. I think it was maybe the last five or six years. Like we were, it, they, they the, it was heavily in their favor. Um, and we go into that meet really pumped up and we actually beat them. And what was amazing is, is that like, we beat them, you know, obviously, you know, and I love this about the NASCAC, right? Like very like respectful in terms of like afterwards, like, Hey, great mm -hmm. meet. Awesome job. You guys swam your hearts out. But then, you know, our team, we get into the locker room and we all look at each other. Um, and, you know, we kind of get our arms around each other and, you know, our captain gives a little quick speech of like, it's been five years since, you know, we took these guys out. Um, and yes, absolutely freshmen who at the time were us that you guys definitely are an important piece of it. But I mean, the heart of the team, right. Of everyone just kind of coming together and, and just that moment in the locker room with everyone, just kind of the team men's team, really just looking at each other and being with each other. It, it was really special and, and it kind of set us up for a great rest of the season. So I would say that was, that's the highlight thus far. And I'm excited to see, uh, what's next. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get ready to transition to our final section. I just have some fun Middlebury related questions for you. But before we do so, we're going to take a quick break. Based in the marble works of Middlebury, Stoneleaf Tea House has been pouring fresh tea and chai since 2009. They traveled to the source, visiting tea gardens that produce the finest teas in the world and connecting you to families that have cultivated tea for generations. In Middlebury, Visit their tea house for curbside pickup of your favorite tea to go, whether going for relaxation, a jolt of energy, or a zen-like focus. Choose from over 200 teas. Need a way to brew loose leaf tea? Stone Leaf Tea House has tons of teaware too, from simple, durable strainers and travel tea mugs to the finest wares for gung fu cha and tea ceremony. Not a Middlebury? Keep connected via their website at stoneleaftea.com where you can have their teas and teaware shipped right to your door. You can also check out their online tea workshops to dive a bit more into the world of tea. The Tea House is open 11 to 4 Monday through Saturday for curbside pickup and all the time at stoneleaftea.com. That's stoneleaftea.com. All right, we are back again, Blaze, with Brett here on the Super Scoop podcast for our final section. Just got some Middlebury-centric questions to ask you, Middlebury in general. I'm curious where you weigh in. The first question, and, and don't feel like you have to take too much time with these. They're, they're more rapid fire than not. But your favorite class uh, you've taken at Middlebury so far? Uh, freshman year seminar was pretty unbelievable. It was Fellini in the Art of Film. Awesome. Uh, favorite professor? Is there an overlap there? Uh, oh man, it's like a different professor here. So I loved, um, 
my art history professor uh, freshman year was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say I would go with I would go with Peter right now, but you know, no, uh, no definitive answer there. <laughs> yeah, and the next one is what's your favorite dining hall? And so I know you were a stew guy. So is it is it Proc just because of proximity? Um, you know, <laughs> I I definitely am I, Atwater to me is okay. Like I've, I've, I don't really get the hype with Atwater. Um, I think it depends on the mood, right? Like if I'm coming out of, of, of practice and this was a lot of the case uh, time with swimming where we would like get done with practice and we wouldn't even be able to go to proc um, because it would be closing right? and it, we would have to go to Ross. And so I think proc by default, because like it, because we were never able to go to it, it just made it so much more interesting when we were there, right? Yeah, right. Um, and, and plus, it's more intimate. It's more intimate environment. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I hear this year they're like playing music all the time. There's a cool article for the Middleware campus about that. Who's on? Yeah. It's like, who's on Ox? Because it, apparently it's really good. Um, all right. What's your favorite building on campus and why? Um, I love By Hall, the windows. Yeah, gorgeous, right? Uh, and then what's like your favorite thing to do on the weekend with your friends, whether that's going for a nice walk down to the knoll or going somewhere in town or going to hike, what's your you know, favorite thing to do? We, um, our, our team gets to do, and I know this is strictly limited to the fall, but our team goes apple picking. Okay. Um, it's just, it's, it's the most wholesome thing I've ever done. So I right. that. yeah, no, uh, that's fun. <laughs> you know, playing sports to everyone hanging out. I mean, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, hanging out in people's rooms and getting, you know, to meet new people and then just all that good stuff. Right. All right. And then what are you most looking forward to next year about Middlebury? Are you going back to campus in the fall? Absolutely. Um, okay. I would, I mean, I, it's kind of a general answer, but just being back and just getting to, getting to be a college student again, I feel like I've been like in the workforce now. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go from having like a full-time job back to college. Yeah. Crazy. I know. I'm, I'm ready to be a college student again. Awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know if the listener knows this, but uh, we've never actually met in person. So I will be back in Canvas in the fall and I'm looking forward to finally meeting you, Brett. Yeah. Adolescence. This has been awesome to do this. Yeah. Was, yeah. Adolescence. Right. 30 to 415 or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. 13415 on Mondays or something. So that yeah, should be like, fun. Yeah, um, <laughs> wow. But yeah. Anyway, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Brad. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, you have heard the scoop from Brett Perlmutter, a rising sophomore on the men's swim and dive team at Middlebury. Thank you so much for supporting the Seaver Scoop podcast. I'll hopefully be back this summer with some new and exciting episodes for you. Till then, stay well and go Panthers.